Welcome to the Frontline Defenders Rights on the Line podcast. Today, we chat to human rights defenders from Palestine who will shed light on the struggle of Palestinians in the wake of recent escalated violence. In the last two weeks, unwarranted violence against Palestinians by Israeli authorities has increased. This was instigated when Israeli police and authorities in Jerusalem shut down the area in front of the Damascus Gate, a key social and business area in the heart of the Palestinian part of the city. This was followed by steps to support the forced eviction, displacement and takeover of Palestinian families and their homes in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, all during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. Palestinians on the ground have resisted, and in turn, Israeli forces have since used repeated excessive force on Palestinians. As airstrikes continue, Israel is cracking down on media with strong censorship of Palestinian content and the recent targeted bombing of the Al Jazeera and Associated Press building. Israel is using its connections and influence with social media companies to censor content and expression online. Today, we speak to three Palestinians to shed light on the situation on the ground and what Palestinians need to support their struggle. Our guests today include Fayrouz Sharqawi, the director at Grassroots Jerusalem, a platform for Palestinian and international activists and organizations in Jerusalem. Afaf Al-Najjar is in Khan Yunus in Gaza and is a writer with We Are Not Numbers. Lastly, Mona Steyer is a communicator, campaigner, digital and human rights defender and local advocacy manager at Hamla the Arab Center for Social Media. Well, asking a Palestinian how they're feeling these days is probably one of the most uh, challenging questions. Uh, There is a feeling, there is a sense of anger and sadness about what's happening in Gaza and the the, the death toll and, and the horrific scenes that we are witnessing Uh, in Gaza. At the same time, this is part of a bigger picture, a picture of Palestine revolting the different parts of occupied Palestine. There are confrontations between occupied Palestinians and the occupation states forces in uh, uh, 48 occupied lands in Jerusalem, in the West Bank. Uh, So there is a feeling of a Palestinian uprising and confrontation. Uh, specifically in Jerusalem, um, this has been going on for a long time now. Um, protests started in Jerusalem around a specific case of uh, displacement against Palestinian families in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, this continued into a confrontation with the occupation forces during the month of Ramadan. Uh, uh, the, the occupation army was attacking worshippers inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque and Palestinians outside of Damascus Gate. Uh, and that is why there has been a lot of protest and a lot of confrontation in Jerusalem. It feels like when it became a bit too much for the Palestinians in Jerusalem, Gaza came for the rescue. And then when, when it became very harsh in Gaza, Palestinians in 48 started uprising. So these days, many ideas and many, many terms, I would say, are in our minds. Uh, terms like uh, uh, mutual aid or the Arabic terms of Rone and Faz'a, where people go and support each other and back each other up. Palestinians are building bridges that the Israeli occupation has been trying to, to uh, break between the different occupied Palestinian territories. And so mixed emotions, I would say, Uh, and despite the anger and sadness, there is hope and there is a feeling that our struggle for liberty and freedom is not lost. Thank you so much for sharing that, Fredouz. Can I cross over to uh, Fav, who I think is based in Gaza? My name is Afaf. I'm 18 years old. I'm an English literature student in Al-Aqsa University here in the Gaza Strip. 
Uh, I live in the south part of the Gaza Strip, which is called Khanyunis City. Um, regarding the situation in the Gaza Strip right now and uh, everything that's going on, uh, it we have been experiencing continuous bombing since Monday, and it hasn't stopped since then. Um, unfortunately, uh, the targets are mainly uh, residential towers, banks, schools, universities, streets, and uh, citizens' homes. Um, it's been very bad, and it's only getting worse day by day. Um, I've been waking up to the sound of the sounds of the bombing uh, for the past five days, and no matter how many times I witness it, and no matter how many times. Um, it happens, I can never get used to it and I can never get used to the blood and the, the sounds and the explosions and the fact that at any moment I could be killed or I could lose one of my family members. Um, I'm not sure about the statistics so far because it keeps changing all the time, but um, almost 1,050 um, you know, residential towers and places uh, have been targeted um, 1,050 raids and attacks have been, um, you know, done on the Gaza Strip. Uh, more than 120 people were killed. Um, most of them are children and, and women. And all of them are citizens. Um, or let's not say all of them, but most of them are citizens. Like 90% of them are citizens. Um, again, the places that are that have been targeted are basically um, anything that gives life to the Gaza Strip, uh, not really related to military. Most of them are just, you know, residential towers, houses, schools, and so on. We haven't been sleeping well for the past few days. We haven't been eating well for the past few days. Um, doing the, the most normal things in a daily life situation is very hard for us. Even going to the toilet or having a meal uh, became extremely hard. Um, the Gaza Strip is being bombed not only with rockets and missiles, but also with uh, gas bombs that make it really hard for us to breathe here in the Gaza Strip and in Khan Yunis and, and other areas, um, unfortunately. Um, it's kind of quiet here right now in my area, but it's not in other areas. So even if it's quiet like in Khan Yunis right now, the place I live in, it's um, the bombing is ongoing in another, uh, you know, area in the Gaza Strip. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I was actually watching, I was watching your Instagram live feed um, yesterday. And while the interview was going on, um, there was actually an attack that had started and, and the, the interview had to be stopped. And it's, it's really sad that, you know, these are, this is the kind of reality that, that you're living in. Um, so thank you, Afaf. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Mona, would you like to would you like to share your experiences with us um, from the last few days? In the last few days, since it started from Sheikh Jarrah, I've been <laughs> just focusing on the digital space and working with Hamda with our team, Hamda, on documenting and reporting the digital rights violations. People on the ground are documenting the human rights violations that Afaf and Fayrouz have mentioned. And they were publishing and sharing these stories and videos and pictures on the social media. And we have, as we have like a discrimination on the ground, we also have like digital discrimination against us Palestinians on the social media. So most of the content or so many posts and accounts were, were taken down and were suspended on the social media. So it was hard also for us what's happening on the ground and reflected on the social media is also like a struggle for us because of these digital discriminatory policies that we as Palestinians are facing from social media companies and we are not talking about one of these social media companies we are talking about most of the social media companies or many of them they have same problems with account suspensions and content being down for example it was very 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 obvious like uh, on on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, on Twitter, and other platforms that the Palestinian content has been taken down that it's it's Sometimes it's labeled as sensitive, uh, as sensitive content. While if they if they just look at the reality that that Fayouz and Asaf had described, it it only reflects the brutal uh, 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 reality that we are living in. So it's not a sensitive uh, 
content as it is as it's described, but it's just reflecting the the reality that the people are documenting and sharing. I mean, either in Sheikh Jarrah or in Al Aqsa Mosque or in Gaza Strip or even in the 48 lands, all all of that was on the social media. It was censored during the uh, activists' accounts or uh, even from the public pages and the groups. And not only that, we are talking talking about systematic incitement against Palestinians on a close and public uh, organized groups from the Israeli far right groups and from the Israeli settlers also. They they were just organizing and mobilizing themselves in telegram groups and also in WhatsApp groups, calling for uh, attacking Palestinians and killing Palestinians. That that was very clear. So it was like. A horrifying day over the past days. We, we were just like fighting uh, the, these incitement groups and also reporting on what's happening with the social media narration on the digital age. So between keeping or taking back this content and these accounts and taking down the incitement against Palestinians, we live like a horrifying day. So this is from my side. I, I like I live in the digital much more than the reality, but it's like an extension for what's happening in the reality. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm gonna um continue off from from you know you speaking about digital surveillance. Um, you know obviously Facebook and Instagram has come under a lot of attack for its media censoring, and so um you know just wondering how how HRDs and how activists on the ground have been keeping. Um, what's happening on the ground, you know, keeping that out there in the media, managing to keep media alive. Um, and how how do Palestinians feel about Facebook's response um, to the censorship of, of Palestinian content? These social media companies are biased toward the Israeli narration. With all what's happening on the ground and with all the attacks and aggression, uh, aggression against Palestinians on the ground, we feel like there is this kind also of digital attack against Palestinians. And we have like last last Thursday, not this Thursday, but the, the, the Thursday before, we saw like social media companies, have, specifically Instagram, they issued like a statement. They mentioned that there was a global technical bug uh, which, which caused to take down several of the content from their platform and they they announced that it was fixed. This is like was eight days ago. Since then we have received hundreds of reports about other cases, other cases of content takedown and of account suspensions. It's not it's not a matter of, of technical issues, it's a matter of discrimination and discriminatory policies against Palestinians. We we we've we've been experiencing that since many years ago but now with with what's happening on the ground it's being like highlighted and it's been uh, much more like talking about because people they feel like also the solidarity groups around the world they they were waiting like videos and pictures from what's happening on the ground and then when when these videos and and pictures are online and then they are censored the, the, the word feel like there is a digital discrimina discrimination against Palestinians. So it's not a new uh, obstacle or problem that we Palestinians are facing, but it's like we, we are living in this in this issue with from from many several or from several years from before and there is this kind of systematic efforts to silence palestinians from the israeli government for example the israeli justice ministry they 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 established the cyber the cyber uh, the cyber unit which is working to report on and to send requests to the social media companies to take down the Palestinian content and it has like high numbers of, of reporting and it's increasing and escalating um, annually. For example, it started in 2016, they sent like 2,200 uh, requests to the social media companies while in 2019 they sent around 19,000 requests to the social media companies and when we are Talking about request, it, it should not have one piece of content. It may have hundreds of, of, of pieces of content. So we are talking about like a systematic efforts. We also have this kind of gongo, which is uh, non-governmental, but it's governmental, uh, like it's NGOs, but it's funded by the government. They are organizing and they are responsible 
to silence Palestinians online through playing with the algorithms on the social media companies. This is basically what they are doing. They they own like um, the, like mobile applications. One of them is Act.il, and this mobile application. Uh, it, it have lots, uh, tens of thousands of, of pro-Israeli activists and also of, of Israelis who, who are waiting uh, posts that if, if, this, if this content is Palestinian, they will report it to take it down. Or if it is Israeli and pro-Israeli, they will like it more to, to have it up in the social media and to have much more appearance on the social media. So they are playing also with the algorithms. And we all know, like the Israeli government, it has this, this kind of connection with the social media companies. They are pressuring the social media companies to take the Palestinian content down. Much more than, than that, they, they are also censoring the, the Palestinians and the activists. Many of the activists on the ground, they got messages from the Israeli intelligence. It, to, it told them, like, you will be held accountable if you continue publishing these, uh, these, uh, this kind of content on the social media. And some of the people of, of worshippers who were in, in Al-Aqsa Mosque, they got like SMS messages. You was in, uh, you were in, in Al-Aqsa Mosque, and uh, you will be held accountable later on. So they are like threatening people, and they are like scaring people, and they don't want people to express themselves. They they want to silence people and like exclude the Palestinian activists from the political uh, arena and from the political uh, 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 the right of, of political expression on the social media and telling the Palestinian narration and Palestinian story on the digital space. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, that, that kind of brings me to my next question in terms of, of the surveillance and something that was going around in the media was this message that you spoke about where um, Israeli intelligence, you know, um, sending SMS saying you have been identified to have taken part in violent acts at Al-Aqsa Mosque and we will hold you accountable. So I want to cross over to, to Mona and Afaf and, and asking, have you experienced, you know, this kind of surveillance and um, how do how do activists deal with these threats? And the more, you know, one posts on Facebook and the more that you're sharing on the media, obviously, the more um, susceptible you are to to sort of being censored and also to being uh, put under surveillance by the Israeli government. So, um, yeah, what are your experiences of the surveillance and how do HRDs deal with these threats and, and this kind of surveillance? Well, it's, uh, it's uh, true. Many Palestinians in Jerusalem received that uh, SMS from the Israeli intelligence saying you have been spotted as part partaking in so-called riots we will hold you accountable sincerely the israeli intelligence and i think that this is a uh, uh, part of the psychological warfare because palestinians uh, even if palestinians participated in protest that is not illegal and they have the right to protest but also it's uh, important to say that Many people uh, received this message simply, as Muna said, for being in Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan. Uh, I think what's important to highlight here is that the uh, uh, GPS system that was used in order to uh, uh, identify these numbers and send that SMS uh, uh, is probably the same system that the Israeli occupation authorities legalized during the COVID-19 crisis. So we see how a, 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 a health crisis, a global health crisis, was used by the Israeli occupation authorities in order to promote surveillance tools, uh, 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 oppressive totalitarian tools of surveillance on, on, on Palestinians. It was, uh, uh, um, it was uh, the excuse for it was the COVID-19 crisis, but it was clear to us already a year ago that this system was not going to be used only for health purposes and as we witness today it is being used in order to terrorize palestinians to scare them away for palestinians to be afraid to be out in the street for palestinians to be afraid not only to protest as i was saying but also to simply uh, uh, um, uh, practice their 
uh, life in Jerusalem, their presence in the street. Uh, and, and so I think it's important also to, to realize how uh, the, the occupation authorities is using such crises in order to advance more tools of surveillance and population control. About the, the whole social media thing, unfortunately, my Twitter account has uh, been suspended a few days ago because of um, posting about uh, Sheikh Jarrah before the assault started on the Gaza Strip. Um, and I had to file a complaint and I had to send them an email and wait a couple of days until um, they finally gave me my account back or unsuspended my account. Um, and on Instagram, anything I post that is related to Palestine or has the hashtags in it immediately gets uh, censored. And um, my stories have been getting less views day by day because uh, because I'm talking about the Palestinian cause about, and about what's going on in the Gaza Strip. Um, also, uh, when I go on live videos, usually they are cut. Like in the middle of the live video, it just stops and I, I can't even save it to my account because it just disappears. It literally just disappears. And um, all of this is actually making it so hard for us to keep the momentum going. And it's making it so hard for us to keep posting and keep, um, you know, talking about what's going on. Um, um, I just want to say a few things about how people can help uh, the Gaza Strip and Palestine. First of all, I would like to say that Israeli, the, the Israeli occupation is actually using what's happening in the Gaza Strip to distract the rest of the world um, from what's happening in Jerusalem and what's happening in, uh, you know, the rest of Palestine. Uh, so I think that we should all keep posting about both of these places. We should keep posting about what's happening in Jerusalem and Sheikh Jarrah and what's happening in the Gaza Strip because, again, they are using this in their favor to distract the world from what's happening in Jerusalem. Um, this is the, f the first thing. Second thing, um, let's please all focus on posting on social media, reposting the news, um, translating them to different languages, people who can talk in um, more than one language. It would be highly appreciated if they could translate. Uh, like I, I talk Arabic and I talk English and I'm fluent, fluent in English, alhamdulillah. So I try to uh, translate from Arabic to English and uh, post about uh, what's going on in different languages, but people who can talk in other languages other than English, it would be great if they start posting and translating as well. Um, but when posting about Palestine and when posting about what's going on, please write, uh, please use the right terminology. Um, it's not a war, it's an aggression, it's not a conflict, it's a struggle, it's not evictions, it's forced expulsions and, eth and ethnic cleansing. Uh, so please try to use the right terminology because this is the only way we can hold the uh, occupation accountable uh, for what they're doing in Palestine and in the Gaza Strip. Uh, also, people who are artists, um, you know, people who paint, who draw, use that to uh, talk about the Palestinian cause. People who sing, try to sing about Palestine and post videos. People who are good at talking, make uh, videos and post them, go on live videos and talk, uh, go on podcasts and interviews and talk about what's going on. And people who have platforms, like big platforms on social media, try to give the Palestinian people a chance to use them to um, you know, deliver the message to a wider audience of people. Uh, also, um, people who can go on protests, uh, like outside of Palestine, uh, please do that as well. It's it's a great thing to do. It puts a lot of pressure on the occupation and it gives us as Palestinians a feeling of, um, you know, support. And it makes us feel like, yeah, there are people outside who are supporting and who are showing solidarity and who are actually uh, able to hear our voices and listen to our message. Uh, so, yeah, going on protests is a great thing to do. Um, also, people who can uh, support by donations, that would be highly appreciated because of the destruction that has been going on. But please, when donating, make sure that you're donating to the right people and to the right um, organizations to make sure that this money you're donating is actually going to people who need it and is actually going to help rebuild the Gaza Strip. Um, people who can boycott, you know, uh, the produced goods, people who can boycott um, just anything that actually supports the Israeli occupation, that would be great as well. And lastly, if you could go on 
you know, the App Store and uh, the Play Store and just rate the social media, these social media platforms with one star and write a review with something related to um, Palestine and Sheikh Jarrah and the Gaza Strip and what's happening. That would be great as well because they are trying their best um, to silence us. They are uh, censoring our content. They are deactivating and, and suspending our accounts. So that is actually a way to pressure them in order for them to let us have, um, let's say, more space to talk and more space to raise our voices and more space to deliver our message to the world. Um, and please keep us in your prayers and please keep showing the support and don't let the momentum die because this is the least we can do. And this is um, our responsibility as humans and our responsibility as Palestinians when talking about my people as well. Um, thank mm -hmm. you so much for all the support you're showing. We really appreciate it and we see everything. And um, we are really so thankful to have you guys supporting and showing solidarity to the Palestinian people. Great. I think that's, that's so great that you shared that. Um, we see a lot of, uh, you know, on social media, people saying that they're feeling helpless and, and it's really helpful to hear from from Palestinians themselves, you know, what, how they need the how they need the world to help them, and also an important point in saying that it's you know it's good to get the message out there, but it's important to get the right message out there. Um, you 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 also mentioned um, you know that the attacks on Gaza are also a distraction from from what's happening in Jerusalem, and I, I just want to pick up on that point and and asking um, you know the 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 attacks at this point are a lot more it's harsh it's you know it's, it's happened during the month of ramadan and um is there a specific reason you know is there before when before the the displacement started you know was there a build up um to this this um, range of attacks and, and what's happening now sure i think that there is building up all the time this is all happening within the context of over 73 years of settler colonialism in palestine and I, and I think this is the context that we should remind uh, uh, our listeners and, and everyone who's following the news from Palestine. Uh, I think we all should remember that this is all happening within that context. Um, it's not just one single case of six families being expelled from their homes in Sheikh Jarrah. Uh, also, the, the displacement of these families in Sheikh Jarrah was happening inside uh, uh, and within this wider context of systematic displacement policies applied against the Palestinian presence and existence in Jerusalem since the occupation of the eastern part in 1967. The occupation, Israeli occupation, has very clear plans for Jerusalem. These plans are or all evolve around the, the annexation of as much land as possible with as little Palestinian existence and presence on them as possible. And that's exactly why Palestinian lands are confiscated uh, for the sake of building colonies and colonial roads and industrial zones and so-called national parks. The dispossession of Palestinians also by the home demolition policy. Palestinian homes are systematically demolished in, in uh, Jerusalem. Our economy is suffocated. Our economy hardly exists in Jerusalem. There is hardly a Palestinian economy in Jerusalem. Our economy is trapped within the Israeli economy. Um, uh, our education system is not free. Israeli occupation authorities are imposing the Israeli curriculum and Palestinian schools in Jerusalem. And so this is the wider context within which Sheikh Jarrah uprising uh, started. And I think that um, especially in recent years and especially under the cover of the crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, the Israeli occupation authorities have intensified their policies of displacement. So more Palestinian homes were demolished, were demolished during 2020 than years before that. And uh, uh, there has been a very harsh attack uh, on all fronts 
on Palestinians and the Palestinian presence in Jerusalem, more lands confiscated, more homes demolished, more Palestinians arrested. Mass incarceration is another very effective tool that the colonizer uses in Palestine. And so it, it feels like all of the conditions were there. The conditions are always ready. Uh, uh, but I think that the combination of the great work that the families of Sheikh Jarrah did with the media, I think that was one of the factors. Uh, uh, I think also the fact that this is hap this happened around Ramadan and the usual yearly attack of the Israeli occupation forces on worshippers in Al-Aqsa Mosque. Uh, again, because worship is another way for us Palestinians to practice belonging to Palestine and to Jerusalem. And so worship is even considered, uh, even worship is considered by the Israeli colonizer as a threat. And that is why there was there were all of these attacks on, on Palestinians praying inside Al-Aqsa Mosque. I think that all of these conditions, again, also forcing Palestinians away out of Damascus Gate, uh, the area around Damascus Gate is where we practice our belonging to Jerusalem. So also forbidding Palestinians from sitting down in front of Damascus Gate to drink tea uh, in, in Ramadan evenings. Also, this has led to the, the protests and the, and the uprising. So I think that there, there is never, it's, it's always, the context is always ready for a Palestinian protest and Palestinian uprising. This context is a hundred years of settler colonialism in Palestine. And I think that simply the combination of other factors and conditions very specific to these times have led to the uh, great effect it had uh, here in, uh, in Jerusalem. I was reading an interview um, that Fayrouz has done with someone else, and I really liked what you have said in there when you were asked what, what must happen to make Jerusalem a place where Palestinians have equal rights, and um, responded by saying that I don't think that Palestinians want equal rights. I think that people in Jerusalem want freedom, and they want self-determination, and they want to decide their own future. Um, and, you know, they're starting. we're starting to see the messaging that what Palestinians actually want is it's not a demand for rights and it's not, you know, the way to frame this issue or the way to address it. It's actually that Palestinians are demanding and they're wanting liberation. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on this, you know, what are you, what are your thoughts on that and your reflections on, on this discourse in terms of, you know, is what are the rights that you're actually fighting for? Is it liberation um, at its core? You know, what is it that, that Palestinians want? And, it might seem a simple question to many, but, you know, people are confused that it's a religious conflict, that, that it's about land. It, it might be about everything for, for everyone, but for you, what is it about? And, you know, is, it, is, is there a need for a change in the discourse in terms of framing that it's a demand for rights or rather liberation? So I'd love to hear um, your thoughts on that. Um, Mauna, maybe you want, to, you want to start off? So I'll start from our feeling as, as Palestinians, like we are miscommunicated. So over the past years, despite all the violations that the Israeli government, the Israeli satellite colonialism regime that have been uh, imposed on us was miscommunicated. We feel like the media is usually uh, have specific terminology that they are using. It, 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 not like describing what's happening on the ground like for example now these days till now with with all the aggression that's happening on the ground with all the attacks that 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 Fayouz and and Afaf had described some media outlets are still using the word clashes on what's happening in Palestine and this is very huge and very dangerous thing for us Palestinians we are miscommunicated the terminology are being used are like they are uh, they they are not describing what's happening on the ground, and we are we are struggling not only with the media but also with the other social media, with other social uh, and digital technologies uh, companies. For example, if we are talking about Google Maps, Google Maps is not is not reflecting what's hap what's happening on the ground. For example, they are they are uh, putting the the illegal settlements on the first layer of the of their maps. Uh, and they did not point out like this is an illegal settlement and they hide the marginalized villages under hundreds of liars, hundreds of liars in their in their maps. So you have to zoom several times to see the unrecognized 
marginalized villages because Israel is is unrecognizing these uh, these uh, these villages and by doing this especially with Google which is the biggest resource for maps in the world it's like they are they are mis also miscommunicate the facts on the ground it's also happening with the media thing with the social media with with, with specific social media and for this as as uh, as my colleague Zahtat and Fairuz said like we we need also to to continue posting to continue sharing our story our narration we need different people to amplify our Palestinian stories to amplify the Palestinian narration so people around the world can know much more about what's happening on the ground from the local people so we highly appreciate for example this podcast because we we are the Palestinian are the discussing what's happening on the ground and for example no one who's living in the US or other parts of the world is, is talking about what's happening in the in the ground I mean locals should tell the world what's happening on the ground we should we should communicate in our own language in our own terminology we should describe what what kind of violations that we are exposed to, exposed to in our daily life for example now with the attack we have any the, the violations are somehow highlighted but I personally pass through two checkpoints every day when I'm coming to my office. And it's it's abnormal to pass every day through two military checkpoints. I can't see this like a normal thing. But when the, the media and when the people around the world they they see like this is the normal life for Palestinians. They are normalizing the, the occupation. They are, they are normalizing the colonialism against us Palestinians. And for this, we should all the time keep telling the world what's happening on the ground from the local people, telling them what kind of violations we are facing, telling them like when we when, when we pass when we are using Google Maps, there, there is no sign that shows me that this street is only for for settlers. And if I enter this road my my life would be attacked or it will be at risk so this is the kind of of communication and of information that we as palestinian would like to share with the world not not like the usual uh, and the normal things that that's been uh, communicated in the in the in the news and the whole the whole community the whole let's let's call let's call it the whole discourse that have been shared in the uh, in the in the media from before which is the traditional one is really maybe it's not exp- expressing what the palestinian people need and it's not e- even express what 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 we need like from from a human rights perspective because even as palestinian people we don't agree for example with the pa on 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 on, on the way they are they are negotiating our rights we see like the right to return is still valid we need everyone to live in equality in justice and in freedom and we can see this kind of discourse is appearing or is being presented by or or communicated by by the PA. So so we have like political even even internal political uh, miscommunication. And for us, we, we need the people on the ground to tell their story and their narration to the world. And because of that, we see the importance of social media. It's open. It's for everyone. Everyone can tell his or her, her own story. For example, Muhammad al-Kurd and Mun al-Kurd, they are telling Sheikh Jarrah's story by their daily life. They, they, they were able to, uh, to, to put the Sheikh Jarrah on the world map, on the trending map. But the other formal, let's say, um, Palestinian uh, Palestinian representatives, they, they they were not able to do so. Why? Because because the youth, they are maestros at the social media. They can communicate in the way and in the language and in the terminology and also the discourse as well that we need to be communicated in. So here here we come. Why we need much more freedom of expression on these social media platforms. We cannot boycott the social media platforms. We should and we will continue using this social media platforms. It's it's like an open space. It's open for everyone, and we should keep communicating our story in our own way and in our discourse. So people at the end they will recognize that this is the Palestinian story, not the one which is communicated in the traditional media by the traditional people every time. Time, every single time they are they are speaking to media. Um, you know how everyone is uh, going around saying that 
um, Israel is just defending itself and that Israel has the right to defend itself and all of that. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Iron Dome in Israel, and like um, that they use to. It's it's um, an air defense uh, system that is used to block any rockets that are coming uh, from the Gaza Strip to Israel, and I think that this is the self defense that they're talking about, not bombing a citizen, not not bombing um you know innocent people here uh so i think this is this is one of the things that we're we really would appreciate if people start understanding because there is a big difference between self-defense although they don't they definitely don't need it um when we talk about war we talk about two sides that are equal um you know especially in military power and i'm sure that all of you know that uh, the Israeli occupation and um, the Gaza Strip are definitely not equal in military power. Um, like one, just one rocket of these rockets that the Iron Dome uses uh, to block uh, the rockets from the Gaza Strip costs from um, thirty-five to fifty thousand uh, dollars. So I, I just wanted to touch upon that as well. Yeah, I want to go back to the question about rights because I think that it is dangerous to frame uh, uh, what Palestinians are doing or the Palestinian struggle only as a struggle for rights. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, ideologically, Palestinians in uh, uh, their struggle, they're not calling for uh, rights that they want to enjoy, but rather for freedom. I think that the, the Palestinian struggle is one for freedom and self-determination. I think that it's dangerous to frame it as one for rights, also practically, because when we ask that question or when we say that, what do we mean? Rights under what? Is it equal rights under the state of Israel? Because what Palestinians want is not equality with Zionist Israelis occupying their lands under the settler colonialist project. Palestinians want self-determination and want to live in freedom. Uh, and, and our, our uh, work is not towards uh, uh, taking equality from uh, uh, the occupation state of Israel. Um, I think that we have been forced also to use the Israeli judicial system especially uh, because we have no other uh, um, tools to use in, in, in many cases and it has proven itself to not be the place where we find remedy as Palestinians. The colonizer will not give justice or equality to the colonized. The colonizer by default takes away freedom and equality and rights from uh, the colonized. The second uh, uh, arena where people might think we can demand rights is the international law theater. And I think that it is time that we Palestinians raise a very loud voice saying, enough with the bluff. International law does not protect people's rights, not only Palestinians. International law is a tool that we have been told over and over and over again as Palestinians to use in our advocacy, to use in our mobilization, to beg for rights and beg for countries to support our rights. And I think that practically this has been proven itself not to help and not to help Palestinians achieve any of their goals. I think that uh, uh, tens of years of international involvement in Palestine, and here I specifically talk about donors, I talk about international NGOs, I talk about United Nations agencies that have very great involvement here in Palestine and who have contributed highly to the shifting of the Palestinian discourse from that of freedom, from one about freedom and liberation and self-determination to a discourse of rights. It is very convenient. It makes it easier on the foreign ear to hear. And I think that it is time we Palestinians say enough with that bluff as well. I think that it is time to be uh, 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 proud as Palestinians in being powerful in our resistance. I think that 
oppressed people, not only the Palestinian people, but I think that oppressed people around the world are expected to move away from terms of power and resistance. Uh, and I think that it is time to say that, no, that's our right. It's our right to be powerful. It's our right because it's also our only way to achieve that freedom. So I would challenge the discourse of rights because it uh, uh, undermines our struggle because practically it takes it takes our struggle to arenas where we have been losing over and over and over again. Thank you, thank you for reflecting on that and and for sharing your insights. So we're coming to the end of our of our discussion here, and um, yeah, is there anything is there anything or any last words that? You guys would like to contribute um, any message that you want to give over um, that we haven't touched on or any question you would like us to ask. Obviously, the the podcast will be edited. So, um, yeah. So if there's any last words that you want to contribute, um, anything that you want to say, um, please go ahead. Asaf gave a very good list of things for people to do. And uh, it includes pro it includes boycott, it includes fighting and resisting misinformation and disinformation about Palestine, speaking up uh, wherever they are. And I would like to add to this just a comment on so solidarity. You know, I think that it is time we also start looking at what solidarity with Palestine means and what is the true solidarity that Palestinians can uh, be helped with. Uh, uh, and I think that unfortunately, many times and oftentimes solidarity is translated into charity. People think that showing solidarity with Palestine is coming to volunteer in Palestine or donating to civil society organizations. And I think that at the same time that we do need this type of help, I think that people are moving away from the responsibility sense of solidarity. I think that people outside of Palestine, especially from Western countries, especially in the United States, must be aware of how their governments and their corporations are enabling and funding the settler colonialist project in Palestine. The Palestinian people wouldn't need aid. The Palestinian people wouldn't need charity if those uh, actors were not funding and enabling the Israeli colo settler colonial project in Palestine. So I think that before people run to donate to some Palestinian organization or fund crisis fund, I think that people need to first of all do a self check. Check which corporations from your country are benefiting from the settler colonialist project and funding it and enabling it? Is your government funding and enabling the, 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 the settler colonialist project in Palestine? And then it is your responsibility to make some noise, to go out to the streets and protest, protest your own government support of the Israeli occupation of Palestine and your own companies and corporations involvement in the colonization of Palestine. And then people can donate with a clear conscience. But I think it is the laziest thing that people can do today, donating to Palestinians. Donating makes you feel good about yourselves, going to sleep thinking you have done something for Palestine today. Well, Palestinians are thankful, and I don't mean to sound ungrateful, at the same time, I think that people need to understand that if if you are not doing something about your own government and corporations involvement in Palestine, then you are not doing enough. I think that people need to understand that they can help Palestine much better, not by sending money, but rather by stopping their own governments and corporations from funding the occupation. Well, thank you very much. I love all those points that you've made and I think it's really important um, for people to hear that. So, so thank you for sharing that. Um, Afaf and Mona, would you like to, um, contribute any last words uh, or perhaps, um, build on Fredo's point? I would just, uh, like to thank you guys Hi. so much for giving us the chance to talk. Okay. Um, I should probably leave now to stay with my family because the bombing now to stay with my family has already started again. Thank you guys. Bye bye. Afaf. Take care of yourself. I can, I can go. Um, unfortunately, that we 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 hear that that bombing here. But thanks, guys, for 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 having us here to to talk about uh, what 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 have been um, experiencing over the past days. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, 
people in, 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 the, in the US and, and in Europe also and in other parts of the world, they, they should be also uh, not only just watching their, their governments and observing what, they, what their governments are doing for, uh, with, with Israel and for Palestinians, but also they, they, they should think about this when they are choosing their MPs and their Congress uh, members. So because this, this is affecting, affecting the Palestinian rights, this is affecting everyone around the world. And we as Palestinians feel like much more intersectional with, with other people around the world, especially with the South-South people who, who have that same kind of struggles against their, against their, uh, their regimes and against also uh, other, other governments who are uh, like uh, controlling them. So, and we, we feel like if, if I'm talking about the digital rights issues because I started from there, I would say like we also know 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 how how the other people around the world are also struggling with the social media companies' policies, uh, trying to silencing them. People in Rohingya and Western Sahara and in other parts of the world are also and in Kashmir are are also struggling with with the with these policies with these digital policies that is silencing them because they have this kind of relationships and connections uh, with with their governments and with their regimes that that it's basically an uh, oppressive uh, regimes which 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 is trying to silence people all the time and trying to uh, to be like much more undemocratic and uh, and oppressive regimes which which keep all the time like uh, oppress their people and because of that we feel like much more intersectional and we feel like unify uniting our struggle together could could make like a better uh, a better rights for Palestinians and for other uh, for other uh, around the world this is from my side thank you so much mona um, so, yeah, I think we, we've come to the end of our discussion. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. It was, it was really insightful and, um, yeah, it was lovely to have you with us. And thank you for sharing what's happening. Thank you for sharing your, your reflections and your thoughts. Palestine's been occupied for decades, but a home for centuries. This land is generations of my family's memories to play and grow and Thank you for listening to the Rights on the Line podcast. As the violence in Palestine continues, we urge you to keep spreading the message of Palestinians and take heed of how our guests have asked for support from the international community. Please follow Grassroots Kutz and Hamla, the Arab Center for Social Media, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram for reliable updates on the Palestinian situation as it unfolds. Living with limitations, pushed down by the occupation Wanna see the pain, take a look at the people's faces Imagine being kicked out of the only house you've ever known We're praying for our souls while they're praying on our homes It's not easy to put this into words Looking at my baby sister, is this something she deserves? Going up in a world where she's not treated the same Denied the right to live free because of where she came They wanna occupy this land, won't let them occupy my mind I stay occupied aside as I write about my life Because my only mission is to make people listen This one's for Shashara, hoping it can make a difference Cause the same thing happened in 48 My grandparents got evicted and forced to move away To the refugee camp in Gaza No, nothing has changed They can never return, so that's where I am today Getting calls from cousins to see if I am alive This year is not fireworks that are lighting the sky Trying to celebrate an aid and keep the faith. I guess you can see it's how memories are made. Full of sleep.